around here on this earth, you know, my life's gotten kind of comfortable lately. And it uh, seems like the more comfort that I have, the more comfort I desire. You know what I mean? And um, so it's just real easy to get caught up in this world. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of God, is there? I mean, God is a good God. He showers us with blessings this time of year. We especially notice that. So I have no problem with that. I just don't want the things of this world to have too much of an influence on me. And that's the things I've been thinking about the last couple of years. I, uh, I have a daughter, Lena, and I watched the day she was born back in 1985. And I watched her grow up, become a beautiful young lady, go through school, make good grades, praise God. I watched her go off to college, off into the mission field, out on her own. And then I watched her go off into eternity. It made me think, life is very short. Life is very short. And so it's kind of got me to think about that. There's one thing I want you to get out of today's message. Okay, One thing that is kind of the theme of today's message about time and eternity. It says, what you believe about eternity determines how you will live today. What we believe impacts the time we spend in this life. Like I said, you may, you may not be thinking much about that. You may just be living from day to day. But I think it's a very important thing to think about. And I don't want to bring everybody down and everybody to, you know, start feeling really bad. But, you know, I just want us to, to kind of think about it. I have an illustration. I have two guys that are going to come up and help me, Keegan and Nico. So as they make their way up here, I have this illustration that I'm going to use. We're going to think about, think about a timeline, okay? And maybe you've seen this. Uh, illustration before, and uh, it kind of helps us to put this into perspective. We, I, I've been trying to have more of an eternal perspective. There you go, guys. And my wife, nearly every day, Jane says, you know, there's something in our conversation that she'll say, well, we need to keep a God perspective. And that's a term the last couple years is, that, uh, that she came up with. I don't know where she got it. The Lord gave it to her, I guess. And she says, we need to have a God perspective. And so that's what I'm trying to have these days. And hopefully, you know, I feel like this message today has been 99% for me. You can probably tell that already. But I'm hoping and I've been praying that it speaks to you too, you know. And so we'll just see. But anyway, this is the illustration I've seen. Let me get over on this side, guys. Thank you. Okay, and so this rope here is our timeline. And everything on that side, over on Nico's side, that is eternity past. God is infinite. This just goes on forever and ever, no end to it, okay? So you can think about that. Over on Keegan's side, thank you, Keegan. This is eternity in the future, eternity in the future, all right? Once again, just keeps going on and on, all right? I want us to think about this red part here as uh, this part of the timeline here. This is the beginning of time. This is creation right here, and this is the end of time. This is, this is kind of our life right here. Okay, so everybody got that? This is day one. God says, in the beginning, let there be light, things like that, okay? So somewhere along in here, it's not exact, somewhere along here, Jesus came. The very first Christmas happened. We'll say maybe right here, okay? Everybody got that? That's Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the time we're celebrating right now. Okay, so you go a little bit further, and uh, we'll say this part right here is when Gutenberg invented the printing press. 
That was a great invention because what that did was that's where the Bible could be printed and sent out all over the world, right? So we'll say that's right there. So we fast forward a little bit further. That's the Industrial Revolution right there. I mean, we're just kind of making all this up, but it's supposed to give you kind of an idea about eternity and where we all fit in that. So after that, we'll say uh, a little bit further down the road, that's World War I, major thing. We hadn't seen anything like that, right, guys, before? Not anything like World War I. And then a little bit tiny further, that's World War II. And the very important time, I was hoping Sam would be here this morning. He may have actually been here. This is when the Dodgers won the World Series in 1957. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. This is when the Dodgers won the World Series in 57. But let me back up right here. It's 1956. That's the year I was born. Okay, so we're right in here, you guys. We're all right here in this little tiny sliver. So our life is like maybe this much, that little tiny sliver right there. The Bible says that our life is like a mist, like a vapor. Just a moment, and then we're in eternity. That's not to bring us down, because eternity is way better than what we're getting here. Okay, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about time and eternity and the way we should look at it. And I think it's going to be a very uh, blessed thing. But this kind of gives you an idea of where we stand. We'll probably refer to this a little bit later, but I thank you guys for, for helping me back. This is eternity forever and ever in the past right there. If you could think about it, I mean, God lives in eternity. It's a whole different realm. And hopefully through today's teaching, we'll kind of, if you don't already know, you'll kind of have a little better picture of it. So thank you. Okay, so there's four points that we can take away from this, okay? And the first one we said was that the way we think about eternity, the way we think about eternity determines the way we live today. The second thing is our time on earth is very short, okay? Um, the third thing is what does the Bible say about time and eternity? What can we learn from that? Okay, and what the, the next thing is, what is our goal in life? What should our goal in life be when we think about time and eternity? And one more thing I want to put in there, too, is that life and eternal life has been given to us or been offered to us. It's been given to some of us, been offered to some of us through the uh, blood of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So, like I said... Maybe you don't think much about life, I mean, about eternity. You just kind of think you could just do life on your own, okay? And you never ask these very important questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I even here? Where am I going? Who is God? Is there a God? Where is God? Okay? These are very important questions for us, aren't they? You know, we want our children to grow up knowing these answers to these questions. We need to know what they are. Now, it doesn't look like we get a lot of time to figure that out, do we? You know, it just goes so quickly. I think that where we can find our answers is in the Word of God, okay? Now, um, some people might say, well, you know, it's really all about the so-called Big Bang, you know, that there's just, all this came from nothing, and it just kind of happened, you know. Uh, I choose to believe, though, that God created us, that he gave us purpose, and that's to glorify him, that we have an opportunity to spend eternity because of what Jesus Christ did, and that's kind of what I believe. So I hope that, you know, that's what you believe. If not, I hope you take the opportunity to hear what we're 
talking about today and look into God's Word. You know, this time in, in uh, eternity is a complicated subject. And uh, when we look into the Bible, we'll just be looking at a very small portion of what the Bible says about time and eternity. I'm not going to take time in eternity today. I'll let you guys get out to lunch, okay? But uh, we will take a, look, a little bit at what the Bible says about that. But I found some very unique surprises through studying about time and eternity. And uh, some of these things you just can't figure out. And God just hasn't revealed them to us. And so when we look into the Word of God, we're going to look at some of those, okay? We want to know, like, you know, what did the ancient people think about time and eternity? What did the Hebrew children think about time and eternity? Did they, did they think about it like we do? We're going to take a look at that. What was like life? What was life like before the clock? Before the clock. Before this atomic clock that we have now. Or before uh, space-time. You know, we have Einstein, you know, this is a little bit before my time, but not much. You know, he's talking about the time, and he's figuring out time. But I can't imagine, you know, thousands of years ago, you know, like even a sundial would be kind of really, really hard for me to understand, you know. But these things influence us. You know, the way the Greeks, the way the Romans, the way the Hebrew children thought about time and eternity, they have an influence on us. And I hope that the Word of God will have a really impactful uh, influence on us. Now, some people want to separate the word time, put it in one category, okay, like a scientific category, and then they want to take eternity and put it in a theological category, okay? It's a religious thing. I'm a scientist. You can deal with that eternity stuff, that God stuff, but this, uh, this stuff about time, I, I can deal with it. But, you know, we, we hear from scientists that they're still trying to figure this out. And, and time plays tricks on us, you know, every day. I mean, we'll talk about that too. So I think it's all one thing to look at, time and eternity. I think that's the way the Bible views it, okay? We see enough about time. We see enough about eternity talked about in the Word of God that it's just, it's just one package deal. You can't really talk about one without the other. Today, as we read God's Word, I hope that we really feel the power of His Word that we really let it impact us, that we make it give us this urgency that we need to make our lives matter, that we need to take what God says in his word about our lives and the way we live it, and we need to just, you know, let that impact our, <coughs> our lives. Excuse me. Another thing I want us to think about is our love for the one who lives in eternity. The one who gives us our life. The one who created us, gave us our life. The one we all hope to be with in eternity. Our Lord and Savior, right? So I want us to have that impact in today's message about the one who lives in eternity. So number two, what does the Bible say about time and eternity? The Bible teaches us that time was created by God as a part of all this creation. Okay? Time is a created thing. It's what the Bible teaches. It's a created thing. We had Nico over here on this side. Nico, that was before there was time. This, this represents no clocks, no tick-tick, you know, uh, 
no expansion of the universe, things like that. Uh, it's just forever and ever, okay? So the Bible also teaches us, okay, that there's basically two worlds, okay? There's the spiritual world, the spiritual realm, and the material realm, okay? And the New Testament calls that spiritual realm heavenly places. And we see in reading the Bible that in heavenly places, the, that time has different characteristics than it does here on earth. We also see in the Bible that man was created to live both in a spiritual realm and the material natural realm. Okay? That's the way we were made. We also see in the Bible that because of the fall of Lucifer and all of his angels, okay, this had a dramatic effect on time, had a dramatic effect on this earth. This earth is now, you know, not the way it was before the fall. Okay, it's kind of had gone through a disaster, okay, and things just aren't the same, and that has affected time. So we can see that in the Word of God, and we'll look at that in a little bit. I have some scriptures that we'll go through here in a minute. The Bible actually opens up with the words, in the beginning. But it doesn't give us the exact date and time. You ever thought about that? The Hebrew and Greek idea of the beginning means an indefinite past, doesn't just mean that history just kind of faded off into something we can't understand. It just means that, that God chose not to reveal these specific dates and times. Someday maybe we'll, we'll be able to figure that one out, or we may have to wait till we're seeing face-to-face, and he can answer that. But just because time and eternity are complicated subjects doesn't mean that we don't need to think about them, pray about them. We don't need to wonder about them. Okay, because the God gave us his Holy Spirit, didn't he? His Holy Spirit to, he gave us his spirit to teach us and to guide us into truth. So he can teach us, he can teach us these things that are great mysteries. Because when we talk about Joshua's long day or the transfiguration on the mountain there, those things blow your mind, don't they? Okay, so back to that word in the beginning. We also see in John, the book of John, it's a, you know, John 1, it's John 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, excuse me, I, I get a little nervous. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Scripture declares that God always was, He always will be, and that He's changeless. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. But that word in the those words in the beginning in John are talking about a different kind of beginning. It's easy to get those kind of mixed up there. In Genesis, when we say in the beginning, that's, that's creation. But we know Jesus, the Word, John calls him the Word. He was there, and he was what, he was involved in that creating, wasn't he? That was, that was him working. The Bible says that the, the, the Word created. Okay, another thing. Have you ever wondered why the Bible doesn't tell us all these exact dates? Like, it doesn't say King so-and-so this, is, this really gets me, but we're going to kind of get into this, why it's like this, uh, why I think it's like this. It doesn't say King so-and-so lived from like 2090 B.C. to 2010 B.C. It doesn't say that he was born on December such-and-such, and then he passed away September such-and-such. -such. It doesn't do that, because we need to kind of think about the Hebrew mindset and what they think, because I think that's going to be the key that's helping me, and maybe it'll help you to about how we spend our time. 
Okay, because the Jewish thinking, the quality of an event seems to be more important than the exact year the event occurs in our four dimensions of time, length, width, and height. Think about this. In the Hebrew mind, the real question was, what is, is not what was the best use of my time, but what is the best use of my life? What's the best use of my life? That's a whole different way of thinking, you know. We, we like to think about all these statements, like, I don't have enough time. You know, where's time going, you know? And that's not the way the Hebrew, they would have never thought about that concept, at least from what I understand. So the Hebrew concept of time found in the Old Testament is concerned more with the quality of time as it relates to things like the seasons, to like rain, okay, like evil times and prosperous times, or they think about like, uh, accomplishing something, okay? Like David, you know, when he became old and he left this earth, you know, he accomplished, he, he, he set out, he, he accomplished his purpose. It's about purpose, okay? So that's something I'm learning. Now, the Hebrews had a calendar, as we all know, and it was different than ours because it was a lunar calendar. They, they looked at how uh, the moon went around the earth, they also look when they when they think of the time the time of day, you know they think of uh, the creation story has a big impact on the way they see time. So these are all interesting things that maybe you've looked at before too. I find it very interesting. But they they think more of the quality of things. The New Testament uses the word eon. Okay, that's a term, the Greek term for ages or age. I should say age. And it's like an indefinite period of time. So that's the word we would see in the Greek New Testament. The plural, plural word of eon refers to everlasting or eternal. Now I want to get into this next word here. Just bear with me. My Greek's not too good. It's uh, eonos zoe, which means life eternal. And we see that in John 17, 3. It refers to an ever-increasing knowledge of God. Another thing that's in the New Testament is the word keroi, keroi, chalapos, I think is the way you say that. And that means seasons of peril, and it refers to cycles of stressful time. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 2 Timothy. He talks about these cycles of time, times of stress in the end times, and how these times will come more often with more frequency in the end times. Okay, and that they will be more intense like birth pangs. Even our Lord and Savior talked about those seasons, those times, those cycles. So I read from Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last times, there's our word, there will, be, there will come times of stress. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying it its power, and from such people turn away. These are warnings. These, God gives us these warnings about the different times these different seasons, okay? And that's one way they, that we uh, look at the Word of God is through times and seasons like that and cycles 
it can come around and around like that. We know we're living in the last days and we should see things like this happening. Another thing about time in the New Testament is it's multidimensional. That's where we're going to talk about like things like in the book of Revelation or Jesus being transfigured up on the mountain. Like in, and listen to this, in Revelation, maybe you wonder about this, in Revelation chapter 8 verse 1, it describes a period of time where there was a period of silence in heaven that lasted about a half hour. But time on earth still was moving on, okay? Another good example of an event is the time when Jesus walked up to Mount Hermon in the northern part of Israel, and there he was transfigured with James and Peter and John. And so they're kind of sleepy, but they wake up and they see this, okay? And they see that with Jesus is Moses, okay? Now, we're talking about 30 A.D. is when Jesus is on this mountain. But here's Moses with him. And from what we can tell, we're talking about a time about 1400 B.C., Moses' time. And then we have Elijah up there, too, on the mountain. And Elijah, though he didn't die, he was, you know, just transported there to heaven. We understand from anthropologists, archaeologists, that that's about 850 B.C. All three of these different time zones going on, right? Time zones, I don't know if that's what you call them. But these times that these guys lived, they were contemporaries in those times. But they're sitting there talking, they're standing there talking to Jesus. Like, you know, we're contemporaries. We're all just, you know, here together. That just blows my mind, doesn't it? You to think about how God, the master of time, he created it. He could just put things like this on this earth, okay, History, our time, and all that can happen all at once. It's amazing, isn't it? Just amazing. It's like these guys were all together there. Nothing had separated them. I think that's the way it is up there in, in heaven. So we read about these things in Matthew, um, Mark, and Luke. I think I used the, the verse from Luke. But, um, you know, it's like God all of a sudden just kind of changed all the rules. He's good at doing that. It's amazing. And I think it just blows all of our minds when God changes all these rules to show us that he is God. Now, an example from the Old Testament is Joshua's long day, which we think occurred somewhere around 1420 B.C. Okay, like I said, God doesn't just say on such and such day in the Jewish calendar, this happened. But it says in the Bible that there's never been a day like this before and there'll never be a day like this again. Joshua chapter 10. So on this day, the sun stood still for about a whole day so that Joshua, God, Joshua, using, or God using Joshua could win this battle against the Amorites. The Bible, instead of making a big deal about what it took to stop the earth, from its rotation. It doesn't tell us all that, does it? But can you imagine how that affects the oceans? I mean, I can't even imagine any of this. It just blows my mind. But God stopped the earth for that long day. It's what must have happened. I don't know. I'm going to ask him. Maybe you will too. How did you do that? You know? That affected time. But like I said, he's the Lord of time. So... Like I said, someday we'll, we'll get to ask him that. 
and we'll maybe understand. Another example in the Old Testament is around 714 B.C., King Hezekiah faced a crisis of an early death, and he asked for God's help. This is in 2 Kings chapter 20. And so God granted the king 15 more years of life. And so Hezekiah, he's talking to Isaiah here, and he goes, okay, well, what will be the sign that God's answering my prayer and that he's healing me and he's giving me life, okay? And so Isaiah and Hezekiah have this little talk together, and uh, so it comes out, out that what's going to happen here is that uh, I guess time is going to be reversed. Reverse. The sundial is going to go back. What does it say? Uh, how many steps? Ten steps. It's going to go back ten steps. So like, I don't know what that would look like on a wristwatch, but, you know, uh, what's that going to look like time reversing like that, okay? It just, it's just amazing. But uh, God doesn't choose to tell us all that. He just lets us know that he can do things like that. Whether we think like the Hebrew or the Greeks, it's important to understand that the quality of life is more important than the quantity of life. The quality of life more important than the quantity of life. One thing that you can think of is um, whether a person lives to be 50 years, four years, whatever it is, God is working in them, and it's a quantity that he's concerned about. I mean, it's a quality that he's concerned about. Excuse me. So let's talk about God in eternity. Now, that's, that's crazy. Here we are, finite beings, talking about an infinite God. That's not going to work too good. But he gives us enough in his word to give us an idea about how he operates in eternity. We are imperfect and continually improving or hopefully improving. God, he's eternal and never changing. And he is perfect. We're imperfect. He's perfect. But we can, we can still, he chooses to have a relationship with us even though he knows how we are. And he wants us to know how he is. And it's not, we can't know it all. You know, at least not on this planet, but uh, we can have somewhat of a revelation. God says he puts eternity in our hearts, didn't he? You know, so he, he knows we can have an understanding of where he's at. Psalm 90 verse 2 says that before the mountains were born, you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting your God. Psalms also says in Psalm 102, 26, they will perish, but you remain. And all and they all will become like an old garment. As a mantle, you will roll them up. As a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. That's Psalm 102, verse 26. One of the early church fathers, and this, this is even before his time, but we, we do have a record of uh, uh, his name's Augustine, or Augustine. And he's got this uh, question that everybody was asking all, all throughout time. And it kind of makes sense, but he says, it makes sense to ask what was God doing before he made the world? And that's a question It sounds like, a, you know, one of your little kids might come up and ask you, Mommy, Daddy, you know, what, what, what did God do before all this? You know, was he bored? Was he, what, you know? But here's the, here's the reply that Augustine, Augustine says, there was no before. There was no back then, Okay. Eternity is the dimension of God's own life, is what he says. It has no beginning and no end, no parameters, 
or margins or boundaries outside of God himself. He says God in his existence is not in time. Time is in him. That's a good way to put it. Time is in him. He is the Lord of time. James, I love this verse too. I would like to put in some verses to talk about our God. James chapter 1 verse 17. You know this one and it's beautiful. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. Father of lights. I can't imagine. The Father of lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows. So God, our creator of time. He is the Lord of the time. And his steadfast love endures forever, it says. And his faithfulness is to all generations. Psalm 93 Verses 1 and 2. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. He is armed with strength. Yes, the world is firmly established and shall never be moved. God's throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. Now God's actions, the way he deals with time, deals with us, can affect past, present, and future. If he makes a decision... It changes everything, as we saw in our early examples. But there's some things about God, like His mercy and grace. They change from day to day, His decisions about. I'm thankful for that, right? Thankful that your mercies are new every morning. I heard somebody say something like, man, He's got a new mercy for every morning that we live. I mean, that's great to think about that. I need a lot of those mercies, Lord. You know that. But God, you're working on all of us. We're, we're in a work in progress. But we need to think about that. But we also need to think about there are days that are set. I don't know if he's going to change them. They sound to me like they are set, like the day of judgment. That one sounds like it's already pretty well set by him. I don't, he didn't tell me that one. But he set that date, and that's, that's sticking, man. Okay? I wasn't going to say about this one, but it is true. He knows the day that we leave. Okay? And I've thought about that a lot lately, as you can imagine. You know? But that's a set date, too. Okay. For him, not for us. I don't I mean we we don't have this time stuff figured out. We're just gonna talk about today. But if you think you got it figured out, I think you better talk to the Lord because if he can change the time of day, go backwards. Because God can see the past, present, and future all in one thing, nothing's gonna surprise him, right? He don't wake up one day and go, Whoa, what happened to that guy? You know? That just doesn't happen. So I saw this in this article I was reading. Okay, I think it's good. It's not here to get us down. It's to hear, for us to see what kind of God we serve. It says, think about a sudden disaster where all the people have but moments to cry out in a hundred or more separate prayers. The God of all eternity, okay, can hear even the shortest of these prayers. He has time to review all the lives all the facts of their lives in his own timetables, okay? He knows every heart, every motive, all the facts. He has all the time in the world to act, to answer each one of these prayers. Take them into consideration. He can answer it or deny it, okay? He can um, choose to, to help them or not, but he has all the time. He doesn't have to worry about that. Okay, and he can answer them all at once, couldn't he? 
He could answer every one of them at once, or he could say this one here, this one here. This. It's amazing because he sees it all. And then it says here that he can accomplish even miracles in those things, a miracle. So that's why I tell us, want to tell us that, you know, no matter what times we live in, okay, wherever we're living, God's got this. He's got the big plan. He's got it all figured out. We don't, okay? But he knows what the future holds, and he's got that figured out. That's so important that we understand. One of the other things that's kind of talking about time that we can't really comprehend is something coming. It says, lo, this is in 1 Corinthians, it says, lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So that's showing how God can at a moment. Just I don't even know how fast that is, the blink of an eye. Pretty fast, you know. That's how fast he can work to answer prayers or to, to do his purpose in life. Now, briefly here, I want to talk a little bit about how he has these times of appointments, okay? Appointed times in history. It talks about it in uh, Acts chapter 17 where it says that God had these appointed times where he sets boundaries for the land and, uh, and for the peoples. And that's important to know that God has these appointed times. I want to run through this last part here. But I want to read this one thing. I've had this for years. My daughter had it, and she gave it to me. You've heard it before, I'm sure. It says, You, my God, are supreme, utmost in goodness, mightiest and all-powerful, most merciful and most just. You are most hidden from me, and yet the most present around me, the most beautiful and the most strong, ever enduring, and yet I cannot comprehend you. You are unchangeable, and yet you change all things. You are never new, never old, and yet all things have new life from you. I give abundantly to you so that I may deserve a reward. Yet you, yet, yet do I have anything that does not come from you. You repay me what I deserve, and yet you owe nothing to me. You release me from my debts. But you lose nothing thereby. You are my God, my life, my holy delight. But is this enough to say of you? Can any man say enough when he speaks of you? Yet woe betide those who are silent about you. For even those who are most gifted with speech cannot find words to describe you. So let's kind of bring this into us, how this should affect us, time and eternity for us. We can't, we're not even very good about planning, you know, very far in advance. And I think that's the way God wanted us to be, okay? Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, just take it one day at a time, pretty much what he says, you know. Uh, the, the days of trouble and evil are, are enough. So we need to have this balance in our life, don't we? We need to have a balance about, you know, how we live. You know, are we thinking about eternity? Some, are we thinking about our daily chores? We need to be thinking about both because time to us, like I said, is so crazy. It can change in the blink of an eye. 
Here's, here's these sayings that we say all the time. That's why I said, you know, the year's about to come to an end. We say things like, time stands still. Oh, man, it just seems like time stands still today, you know, especially when you're a little kid. Summertime, you know, it's like, man, this day is going to last forever, it seems like. Time flies. That's where I'm at right now. Time is just flying. Sheesh. Time drags on. Where did the time go, we say? I just need a little more time. We had a great time. If only I had time. So we Americans, we, we feel like, you know, time's rushing by or we're losing time or whatever. Or we're busy spending time on things that are unimportant. But we need to be able to take control of this time. We need to allow God to, to work it out in us. We need to think a little bit more like the Hebrews think, right? About quality rather than quantity. When we think about, this is something that really got me, so I want to, I want to get this in here before we close. God's final judgment, judgment of us all will reveal that what we considered important and precious were really wasted time in God's eyes. However, some small forgotten moments where we, that we thought nothing about, God will reward those. It might be giving a kind word to someone. When you do it the right motive, kind word, or just offering someone something that they really need in the name of Jesus, God will probably look in his book, his record book, and he'll see that and go, well, I don't even remember that one, you know, but that's what he's looking at. So those are some things to think about. You know, we're always sowing seeds, the Bible talks about, that have, you know, repercussions for not only here, but eternity. Talks about that in Galatians chapter 6. So some things we need to uh, think about, you know, maybe some goals to set, is first answer those questions about where do we come from. If you haven't done that, that's a good place to start. Where do we come from? Where are we going? Is there a God? Good, good thing to start with, right? Second thing is realize this is not our home. Philippians chapter 3, verse 19 talks about the enemies of God and how they're all out, you know, concerned about their stuff and their bank accounts, their next big deal or whatever. But he goes on, he says, but we, we know our home is in heaven. So we could think about that. We need to think that this is a gift from God. I know that you guys are thinking this because I know I've thought about it lately. You know, when, when the little kids open the gift, I know I was this way. They open the, the little gift, you know, on, on Christmas, you know, and, and they open it and then it's like off to the side there in the next one. My daughter, though, my daughter's the one we're like that. Thank God. I'm not bragging. I'm just thought, I got to thinking. They, they weren't really like that. Well, sometimes they were. But, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to realize this life is a gift because when that gift is gone, okay, that's when you're going to notice it. Those kids, they, you know, they put it over there for a moment Christmas morning, but, man, they're going to want to find that later on. You know, they, they don't want that thing gone. And so you need to think about that. Life is a gift, and we need to choose to give our lives back to him. He gave them to us, but we give them back to him. This is some quotes that I always have liked it in, in the books that I have. If you meet me and forget me, you've lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus Christ and forget him, you've lost everything. This is one I, I remember reading to my students back at Capital Christian School a long time ago. Some of them kind of looked at me like they didn't like this one, but I think it's pretty good. God will not look over your medals, degrees, or diplomas, but for the scars we have in serving Jesus the ones he's restored. Our scars are a witness to the world. They are a part of our story. They, have, they are healed wounds, symbols that God has restored us. 
One thing that inspired this message was a song. Uh, I'm not going to read it after all because we're running out of time. But when you hear it on the radio, think of this. It's a song called Only Jesus, okay? And it talks about how, you know, we got to get things in the right perspective. So when you hear the casting crown, sing that on the Christian radio, think about these things because it really gets you thinking about how when it all comes down to it, it isn't our legacy, it's Jesus, okay? So we let the things... We let the things in that little red zone kind of bother us. We talked about that. Well, I was listening to a message, and the pastor said, Tis gar plin, Greek word, tis gar blin, plin, means so what. It's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. It means so what. And it's like, what does this really matter 100 years from now? And Paul uses that. When he's talking about these other guys that are preaching, and everybody's kind of worried, they're like big shots, they're going around preaching, you know, hey man, I'm preaching Jesus, I'm big shots, you know, and Paul says, hey, you know what, in the whole scheme of things, tiscar blin, blin, doesn't really matter. So kind of have that attitude. It's like, you know, as a teacher, I always learn, man, you got to pick your battles. You got to pick your battles. When that guy is beating up on that other kid, that's a battle I need to be involved in. But if another kid just, you know, over here, you know, sleeping, because he had a bad night the night before. I might let him have a little sleep there. But you got to pick your battles. So what? You know, in the whole scheme of things. Maybe this time of year would be good for us. Don't let the things freak us out. You know, take a look and say, will this really matter 100 years from now? Will this matter 100 years from now? So we need to think about things like how we love, how we give, how we serve, how we speak words of life into other people. Because in Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says the things that are seen will not last, and the things that are unseen will last forever. So what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Two questions. I got this from Francis Chan. I thought it was real good. I changed them, actually. I changed the way he did it. So the first question I leave you with is, what did you do last week? That will not be remembered in eternity. That's one Francis had, and I think that's good. What did you do last week that didn't really matter? Okay, it won't matter. But this one I want you to go away with today. And this is this way. What will you do this week that matters in eternity? What will we do this week? And that's where I'm trying to get, okay? The last thing, the fourth part of my message that I want us to take away is that life has been offered. It says life and eternal life has been offered to us through Jesus Christ. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus still saves, still washes away our sins, still makes us whole. And he's calling out to you. He loves you. He did create you. He wants to be with you. Like I said, I'd like for you to think of your neighbor and think, say to them, I'd love to see you in eternity. You could say that to your neighbor. I'd love to see you in eternity. I want to see you in heaven. Amen. That's, that's where we want to end up at. You know, my pastor a long time ago, he said, a lot of people end up somewhere, but do they end up somewhere on purpose? It's a choice you have to make. How are you going to think about Jesus in eternity? Okay, he wants to be your Savior. If you, uh, if you ask him into your life, you ask him to forgive your sins, and to wash away all your sins with his blood, he will do that. He will do what he says, and he will give you life and eternal life. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. I have a closing prayer here. I'm just going to read it, okay? But I want us to take it to heart. I know I'm going to. So here's our closing prayer. 
God, we ask that you would loosen our grip and lessen our love for this world and to help us to impact, have an impact for eternity. Help me today to live for things that matter in eternity. Guide us and watch over us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming out. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a great week. We love you. God loves you.